Welcome to another bonus episode of our Fort Bragg PWOC podcast. This is the third session of our virtual spring retreat. The theme is Bloom in the Desert. Our guest speaker is Alexis Anderson. In this session, she will discuss rejoice. Do you praise our Savior in the wilderness? How do you rejoice? Join us as Alexis drives deep into God's Word. time. Well, it's interesting because the first song that we're going to sing as we open this next session is Desert Song, but I feel like it should be renamed. It should be Wilderness Song, but that wouldn't really fit. This is my prayer in the wilderness. We could. We could say it, but let's sing it with a fresh perspective, okay? Oh, Lord, thank you for this time, for another worship session that we get to enjoy together and with you. Lord, receive these praises and be pleased with us um, as you are shaping us and molding us and revealing yourself to us today in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before you and praise you in the midst of this wilderness together on the internet, Lord. We thank you that you are sovereign over all. You are sovereign over this wilderness. You are sovereign over viruses. You are sovereign over our families and our nation, Lord, and the world itself is represented here, Lord. And I just pray that you would guard our hearts and prepare them to receive with joy what you have for us, Lord. You have given us joy, and I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to impart that truth to these women here. God, you are so mighty, and you are so big, and you have us covered. Help us to see that, Lord. Help us to know that. Help us to act upon that. Help us to feel it, Lord. I pray these things, and I put these things on all of these women who are here and all who will hear this word, Lord, that you are in control and you have made a way. You have bought us and we cannot be returned. We will return to you alone. I pray this in your precious name, which you have blessed us and put upon us, Lord. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm a crier. I didn't tell you guys that. <laughs> Shelby did, though. Shelby told you I'm a crier. I cried when I found out that I was moving within 15 minutes of a Trader Joe's. Like, that's how much of a crier I am. <laughs> I, seriously, yeah, you should know. <laughs> and then I moved away from Trader Joe's. <laughs> it was real sad, friends. I cried about that, too. <laughs> It's a long drive. <laughs> it's a long drive to Louisville. It is. <laughs> ah, okay. Welcome to session three. Hello. Get more of us. I made it. Um, what are we? What are we doing? What are, what's happening? What's right happening? <laughs> awesome, awesome worship was happening. Yes. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Shelby. Excellent job. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, okay, so. I think that it would it would behoove us all. Your walls are a good word. Behoove, yeah. behoove us all to um, kind of uh, reach back to session one and kind of pull that string all the way through. Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. for those that weren't with us during session one. You're so smart. So yes, I mean, you should do that. That's what we're gonna do right now. So uh, flipping back through all of our notes and things here. Um, we talked, first and foremost, we want to let you be aware that everything that Alexis is going to quote from, it's going to come from the ESV version of the Bible. But don't think for even half a second that um, we aren't looking at multiple translations as we go through of the Bible. And we encourage you to look at not only those, that translation that brings you comfort, the one that you grew up with, um, but branch out and read other versions because other versions give you different wordings um, that give you a little bit more understanding and bring you a little bit closer um, to the true meaning of the original text. So we encourage you um, reference ESV for this for this talk, but also uh, branch out, reach into something. I challenge you to read a new version of your Bible 
um, later on today. I challenge you to get into the Blue Letter Bible link that was pasted in the chat and try to find your way to clicking some Greek and Hebrew words. Oh yeah, you need to get into the original language. Oh yeah, do it, do it. It's so beautiful. I know, it's gorgeous. So um, session one, we kind of talked about um, returning to the word and how that's a cycle and we need to get back to the word um, that we're, it's not a linear situation that you right. talked about, that it's very cyclical. We need to go from point A back around to point A and not go from A to C. Yeah, um, return itself time. means like you've started somewhere and you yeah. need to get back to where you started from. And it, when God calls us to return, it doesn't matter where you are or where you've gone to or how far away you've gone, just return, come back. It's not looking at anything else. It's just calling you back to that starting point. Calling you back to him. Yeah. He has created you. He has knitted you together mm -hmm. um, in the image of Christ. So he's calling you back to being that image. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. Because when in creation, image bearers, that's our identity as image bearers, and that temple, that Eden that we were in, this whole Bible is about trying to return us to that and get us back to that. Mm -hmm. um, While we are getting back to, we are living within the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And in this wilderness, um, we're talking about um, it's a place of comfort and safety and protection mm -hmm. and training. And I think that's a really big thing. You are being trained in the wilderness. Friends, this is happening now. This is now time. Yeah. It is now go time. time. Get it. He's preparing the way now for us to land in the promised land. Yeah. And so this wandering or this wilderness is not a place we're meant to wander around. Rebellion equaled wandering. Mm -hmm. Now we have an, a purpose and intention. We have a way and we're to walk on it. Yeah. Um, and so it's not a punishment or an exile. It's, it's a training period. Right. So be training because that's what you should be doing in the wilderness. You right. should be training. You should be learning. You should be in a constant state of learning new things yeah. uh, about the Bible and, and about God and about um, his salvation mm -hmm. and about how you can spread his word to others and those who our stuff yeah and on the way we're gonna talk about that yeah okay and so we also learned that in the in the wilderness we should be strengthening our weak hands and making firm our feeble knees and that's from Isaiah 35 um, verses 1 through 10 and that's what we're focusing on this whole time so we should be strengthening those those weak hands for that praise and that worship and that um, that working out of our salvation, this training that we should be doing and making firm our feeble knees so we can pray and then walk alongside of others. And mm -hmm. we're gonna to touch more on that right yeah. later on. Mm -hmm. So um, that's really fun stuff. And then um, we talked about your worth and um, how, much, how much you are worth and you are worth your weight. Mm. Uh, literally you're worth your weight in gold. In glory. In glory. You're worth your weight in glory. Ooh. Hey. Good. Yes. You should write that down. <laughs> Man. Yes. <laughs> you are worth your weight in glory. Um, Jesus's glory was on one side of those scales. You remember the scales and you're on the other. And God said it is good. That is equal balance. Mm -hmm. You and Jesus. And that, that blows me away. I just love that. Um, so 
And then um, that takes us to session two, what we just covered this morning, how God covers us. Nay, nay, nay for those fig leaves. Cast them off. off. Get rid of that. Get rid of those. No fig leaves for you. You're going to wear awesome shirts that say you're grounded and you're going to be grounded in Christ. And you're going to wear um, some awesome armor as God walks you through this mm -hmm. wilderness. Well, and you right. can wear your dignity. You can wear your value, um, wear your redemption and, you know, your ransom shirts because that's the assignment of value that God has given us. Yes. 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 Um, we, we also learned that God covers us. He, uh, we talked about being in the wilderness and being protected. And so God covers us in this wilderness mm -hmm. um, with his uh, armor and with our dignity and um, these things that he gifts us. Mm -hmm. He covers us with grace. He has gifted us. You don't have to take it. He yeah. doesn't want you to take it. Yeah. Right. He yeah. The world, I think the world would have you think right now and for all time that you're in a dangerous place and you need to shelter your, yourself and you need to go out and get more information. But that's not at all what God says. He says, I'm going to cover you and I'm going to bring you wisdom. You just have to meet me where I'm at. And that's in his word. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're meant to get wisdom from. We're not meant to go out and seek it ourselves. We're, he's meant to impart it to us. He wants to give it to us. Mm -hmm. And so not taking the fruit ourselves, but receiving it as we walk with him. Yeah. And I think when um, I'm just looking back over those takeaways that you guys shared out of your small groups and somebody um, said, um, these places, Lebanon, um, Sharon and Carmel, they're causing us to stop and slow down mm -hmm. in today's culture. We're really pushed to go, 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 um, fill your schedule. But this, this tells you slow down, look at these, remember these things, these places of beauty, these places of glory and majesty that I'm going to show you and you're going to see it mm -hmm. and you're not going to die. Yeah. You're going to live. Yeah. So, um, slow down, smell the roses, friend, smell the blooming crocus <laughs> and be ready for it. Right. So that, um, that brings us now to session three. Yeah. And one other thing I want you to kind of have in mind is from the first session when we talked about um, the transformed mind and how um, the pattern of this world is to have a feeling and then act upon that feeling or act to prevent that feeling and then readjust our thoughts to make what we just did seem justified. But transformed thinking is where we start with right knowledge and then we take right action, obedience, and then right feelings come, which bring us back around to right thinking again. So I want you to have that in mind as we go. And I'm gonna do a quick change because this is my lab coat. Y'all, this is my lab coat. And you know things are getting serious when I'm putting on my lab coat. Because I'm gonna be a little more technical this session. So people who, who've been in my classes before, know that when I pull out my lab coat, I also have a legit pocket protector that I use. It's real. And I keep my chisel tip expo markers in it because they're the bomb. Don't even try to bring me another type of expo markers. It's only the chisel tip. <laughs> and I prefer to be in front of a whiteboard most times, but I don't have a whiteboard, but I can bring my lab coat. And so I just want you to be prepared for what's about to happen to you 
because it's about to get real up in here. We're about to really rejoice. You want to say about our shirts? Oh, or yeah. We're in a new shirt. We're, did you notice we're in new shirts? I'm grounded. Grounded to know the love that powers everything. So that, this is the second shirt you've seen like that. This is from, well, our first shirt, our first grounded shirt was so successful that we had to have a reorder, so. I see you, Becky Griffin. Becky Griffin's got it on. Yeah. See you down there. <laughs> so let's get grounded. Let's get serious. Um, we're going to zero in on verses 8 through 10 this session. And I'm going to cover a brief history of what joy is and how to have it. And then we're going to talk about the way to holiness and what that journey entails. And you've already started getting a little glimpse of it because you're walking on that road a little more slowly now and you're noticing that the landscape is changing and you're noticing how protected it is um, and you're noticing how fertile the land is around you and flourishing. And then following that, we're gonna learn how to rejoice properly. So we're gonna talk about joy and rejoicing and the way to holiness. So I'm gonna share my screen. Okay. Session three, we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about how to rejoice, and we're going to talk about rejoicing in the Lord. And I love, if you go back and look at Shelby's songs and the lyrics from those, how awesomely God unified what Shelby wanted to teach you through worship and what I want to teach you and share with you through this. It's just very profound. So Shelby, she's just... Well done, Shelby. She's just gold. I love Shelby. Mm -hmm. So we're going to read through Isaiah 35 again. And this time I want you to pay attention to all the joy and rejoice references. There's a lot of them. And as a clue, as a help, I highlighted them in pink this time. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold. Your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing 
shall flee away. The word of the Lord. So in all of this, in this one tiny little chapter, we have actually six to eight different words for rejoice appearing in the background. If we were to look in Hebrew or in, um, in the original language, we would see all different words that are being translated here simply as joy or rejoice, which paints them as kind of colorless. But if we look at them in the original language, we get a much more vibrant um, feeling for what's happening here as we're approaching the promised land, as we're on the way. I think I was looking, um, I think I found like 19 words in Hebrew that get translated simply as rejoice for us. How boring. Oh, English, you have failed us. But if we look back, we can um, get a little bit more information on it. So all of these words I've highlighted in here, of course, obviously, I looked them all up, friends. I studied them all, but I'm not going to share them all with you because that would just be kind of intense. Um, but you should definitely go back and find them. Um, let's see. So I'm going to annotate just three verses here. I've got verse 1, 2, and 10 up here because that's where we see a majority of the joy and rejoice words. So here we have six different kinds of joy. They're all nouns. And we have two different kinds of rejoicing verbs. One and two, verses one and two, notice that they're talking about the land having joy. Um, glad, this word glad here in verse one, it means it's one, a word that indicates levity or dancing. There will be dancing, a lightness to it. And the rejoice indicates um, a vocalization, an extended vocalization. So this is singing. There's singing here happening in the desert. The desert shall become a place of singing. Verse 10 talks about us having joy, and that's where I'm going to focus on. It talks about us having joy. One and two talk about the land having joy. Um, so we've got singing. We've got dancing, we've got a filling joy, and we've got um, a joy that's a lifting up of posture. So in verse 10, the word singing there is a, is rina. It means a shrill and triumphant proclamation. So this is a joy that indicates surprise and a sudden vocalization like, oh, oh, a shout and a cry. You are returning and you're surprised and it's joyful. The word joy, everlasting joy, is simcha. And that means a joy that's filling. It's an exceeding gladness, a mirth, delight, pleasure. So it indicates being filled with something, not a feeling. It's being filled with something. And this last um, section here, gladness, is sesson. Sasson, excuse me, it's cheerfulness or exultation, and it indicates a lifting up of posture. So we've got a posture word, a lifting up, an exultation word. We've got a filling joy, some, being filled with something, and we've got something that surprises us such that all of a sudden we're singing. We're, we're singing aloud. So that's the kind of joy that we've, we've got here in our section, Isaiah 35. The verb tenses are both future and present. We can see future joy represented here and present joy. Verse 10, 
they shall obtain gladness and joy. If you look at this in other translations like NIV, NASB, and in the original language, what it says is not they shall obtain gladness and joy, but that joy and gladness will overtake them. So if we were to, in, this is one shortcoming of the ESV here, the translation, they shall obtain gladness and joy. It might make you think that you're going out to get it. I've obtained it. I've gone out to grab this joy. But if you look in the original language, it's actually an overcoming. Something has come over you, covered you, come upon you and taken over. So joy here is the noun. Rejoice is the verb. The rejoice action is always a response to some joy being had, something coming over us or being obtained by us. It's like, um, well, rejoicing is not a response to a feeling. This is my point. It's a response to something you have. So let me show you in scripture a little more about rejoicing. Because let's face it, sometimes we don't feel like rejoicing. And we want to counteract that because we have joy. The first time that rejoice appears, it's a command in the book of Leviticus. And it's with reference to um, the final and appointed feast that the Jews were to observe as the culminating event of their calendar year. It was the final feast, the culminating event of their calendar year. And it's called Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, we've heard that word, or the Feast of Booths. And it anticipated the return of a conquering king come to dwell with them. Wink, wink, Jesus. Um, and it was the most joyful and festive of all the appointed feasts. So in Leviticus 23, God lays out how they're going to rejoice. Here's what you're going to do. Sorry, my screen got wacky and I can't move it. No, not yet. Okay, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. God demands a party for seven days. It's not like an option. Like if you, if you feel up to it, you can rejoice. No, this is a command. You will rejoice for seven days. So practically speaking, we are to rejoice, verb, because of things, nouns, that God has given us. The land here, the land and its fruit, the produce of the land has been collected. It has been obtained. It has been given. It and we have gathered it. And now we are to rejoice. Figuratively, appropriate for us now, we are to rejoice, verb, in the knowledge, noun, that we will be gathered. Note again, God is going to do it. God is going to gather us. 
we are the fruit of seed that was once scattered. But now we will be gathered. Remember we looked at that um, diagram yesterday, the return diagram, where we had exile on one side and wilderness on one side. And one of the other ways of understanding that imagery is the scattered versus the gathered. If you read through the prophets of the Bible, they talk a lot about the scattering and the gathering. So now we see this being represented in this Sukkot, in this Feast of Tabernacles, where they had planted their harvest and now they had gathered. And this was all leading up into and anticipating the return of some conquering king come to dwell with them. And now we, on the other side of Jesus, have that superior revelation. Mm -hmm. We understand what that was all about. We will come again to a state of rest in the garden. We will be gathered. Also, fun fact, eighth day. You see the eighth day mentioned in there? Anytime you see the phrase eighth day, I want you to pause and think about what's, what's happening because the eighth day is a signal of new beginnings. It's the signal of reintegration and restoration to a community. So if you go back in Leviticus a few chapters and you're reading about skin diseases and mold and all that stuff that we don't like to read about in Leviticus, all of the people who were going through those things got reintegrated into the community on the eighth day after their purification. So whenever we see eighth day, we wanna think, okay, something new is happening here. There's a new beginning. We technically go to church on the eighth day. If you think about that, what should that mean about our attitudes about going to church? How would our behavior change if we are participating in eighth day communities? What if we all really understood and operated as though we were joining in a celebration of the eighth day, of coming together and reintegrating a community, of being gathered as produce of the land? So bringing it back. Our rejoicing in the wilderness is all about our return to the garden. That's what it's all about. We may be scattered, but we will be gathered. This is the repeated thing you see over and over and over again. We will return to the garden. Having the knowledge of his promises to bring us back results in the rejoicing. Right thinking leads to right acting. We see this confirmed later in Isaiah 51, 51.3. He says, for the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all of her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. And a few lines later, in verse 11, this should look very familiar, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You notice there that there's a present and active joy like there's joy we have right now. And then there's a future and a festive joy. Joy shall be upon their heads. It shall overcome them. So we've got two different kinds of joy happening here. And I wish we had more time to look at Isaiah 51. I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to look at Isaiah 51 on your own. Um, in it, God commands us to give attention to him. 
to give ear to him. Don't give ear to the world, give ear to him. Listen to him, lift up your eyes to him. He tells us that his salvation has already gone out, Jesus. That his righteousness is drawing near. That a law has gone forth from him and his people are the one who have the law in their hearts. He, and it tells us that he has covered us in the shadow of his hand. Session two, hey there. So let's look at how this plays out on the way, because we're on this way. And I highlighted that verse in, as we were reading, we're on the way to holiness. So we know where to rejoice. We're supposed to rejoice in the wilderness, but we don't know how to rejoice. What does active rejoicing actually look like? And what is the motivation behind it? Why do I have joy, 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 joy down in my heart? Why do I have that? Let's um, examine joy and rejoicing in the New Testament. I want to look at it in Greek. And rejoicing are very related. We, those have the same root words, joy, rejoice. But in Greek, they do not. They are not. So we're going to take a look at those. The word rejoice in Greek is kautomai. And it literally, the, the auchin part of that, the neck, is what they're talking about. So it literally means living with your head up high. Auchin means neck. So living with confidence. Okay, that's not what, that doesn't feel like rejoicing to me. That's not what I understood it to be. Because rejoicing has this context for me in, in modern secular America that I feel good, that I feel like responding in some way. But that's not what this is saying. Rejoicing is telling me that I'm living with my head held high. I'm living with this confidence. And where does that confidence come from? Well, figuratively, this word is a strategic military term. Strategic military term. The Greeks use this in their military. And it meant boasting from a particular vantage point because I've got the right base of operation to deal successfully with the matter at hand. I know from where I'm standing on my vantage point, I can see exactly what's about to happen. That's what rejoicing means. It's rejoicing, rejoicing is standing in the right place and being able to see that I've got the right base of operation. I am with Jesus, I am next to God, I am covered by him, and I have the right base, forward operating base. That's what I have, fob. <laughs> I've got the right place of, of right base of operation to deal successfully with the matter. So what is that vantage point? Again, it's under God's standard. It's under his banner. That vantage point is from a position of knowledge of future victory and fulfilled promises. I know just from Isaiah 35 alone that I'm going to make it. So I'm standing in the position from the right vantage point to rejoice because I know what's going to happen. I know the end and I know God's going to deal with this matter. And don't I also know that I am covered by the hand of a conquering king? I know, I, I know what the Feast of Tabernacles was about now. I know they were anticipating the conquering king come back and I know that he did and I know that he will come again. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 to 31 says this. You are in Christ Jesus. There's the vantage point. 
who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That word there, boasts, is kautomai. It's also rejoice, rejoice, boast, boast. It's just a different way of translating it in English here. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Therefore, we can conclude that proper rejoicing is boasting in what the Lord has done because we're standing with and under and in him and defining our actions and behaviors based on his wisdom. And it requires military level strategy that we don't have to come up with. So let's see how this plays out in times of struggling and suffering. How do I rejoice in suffering? We're gonna think about that first in a very practical sense. No Hebrew, no Greek. Suffering is an awareness of a separation from some ideal, a distance from an ideal. So my body is in pain. I remember what it was like to not be in pain. I am suffering. Or my marriage is slumped. I remember when we were young and in love. I am suffering. My grocery store is out of toilet paper. I remember when I could get it whenever I wanted to. I am suffering. This sort of a thing. We are all distanced from some ideal and moving toward recovery of that ideal. So we are all, in a spiritual sense, sufferers. We are all innately aware of our distance from the garden and waiting to return to it. We're not separated from God. I want to point that out. We're not separated from God. We are set apart to him. And we're all working to get back to that Eden ideal. Jesus and the Holy Spirit take care of that. Your holiness depends on that. But no matter where you are in the cycle, you're not in the garden yet. So whether, you're, whether you are someone who are, is not in Christ or someone who is in Christ, you are aware of the separation from some ideal. And you're seeking, you're a seeker, you're seeking him out. So we are all sufferers. We may not understand it. You and I may not understand the suffering, but we know, we know God is working all things together for our good. <laughs> we know he is a good father and a good gardener Hey, John, book of John, he's a good gardener. And he's working to get us back in the garden. His plan is not unknown to us. He lays it out very clearly. So let's see what happens when we're standing and looking at suffering from the right vantage point. This is Romans 5, 2 to 4. Through him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. So we see here that we are rejoicing in our sufferings. And this is difficult, but... Paul reminds us that there is a vantage point in which we need to stand in grace. And 
I've already guaranteed you that. I've already shown you and proven to you that God is reaching out to you and that Jesus was an extension of that grace. And we have him. God is not taking Jesus back. It is done. It is finished. So I like to call this process here um, Paul's production line. In it, we've got suffering that leads to endurance, endurance which produces character, and character which produces hope. We are supposed to rejoice in this process, Paul says. And so what, so, so what? What's the so what? What is remarkable about this process? And it's the word production that's the key word here. We need to look at the word production. Obviously, we're going to look at a Greek word. Of course. Production. Katergazamai. Production means to work out. And not, not like works like I'm working for my salvation. I'm working something out in my mind. To, br to bring something to a decisive finality. To come to an exact and definite conclusion. I'm working down to an end point. Each of these things, suffering, endurance, character, hope, is getting me to some place specific. It's helping me work something out. I submit to you that this is God's workout plan. This is God's plan for us. You've seen this before. You, you've heard about this producing business before. You just didn't know it was happening. So I'm gonna show it to you in two, in two places. Ephesians 6, 13 says this. Here Paul tells us to take up the whole armor of God, a covering, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Okay, so we've got our vantage point. We're standing firm. We're covered. But that word, that phrase, having done, that's catergasmi. That's the production bit. So having gone through this production line, here I am standing firm in the vantage point, proper vantage point, clear view of the way. I am beholding the way. Next one, work out your own salvation. How many times have you read that passage? No, seriously, Philippians 2.12, all the time. Work out your own salvation. Well, what does that, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Does it mean that we need to do work to save ourselves? No, it does not. There is not actual physical work happening here. There's something spiritual being produced. That's the same word there. Work out your own salvation. Produ get into this production line. Get on this train that suffering is going to produce something that leads you to this ultimate conclusion of who you are made in the image of and where you will end up. And that's with him, with hope. Suffering leads to hope. Working out our salvation necessarily requires suffering, which works out endurance, which works out character, which brings you to an exact conclusion of hope. So why is there suffering? Or if God can stop things from happening, then why doesn't he? It's so you can work out your salvation. It's so you can know him. So you can boast or rejoice from the correct vantage point. It's so you can experience true hope. 
because we don't, God knows, we don't like the easy path. He knows we got to work things out for ourselves. We have to walk the way a bit. So we need to get on this production line. We need to understand that he's using suffering to build in us this endurance, to build in us this character. So we ultimately arrive at hope. So back to our theme verse here. No, it's not back to our theme verse. Am I out of order? Oh yeah, no, there it is. Says, and a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they're fools, they will not go astray. So we've got this way of holiness. It belongs to the, we who are walking on it. Even if we're fools and we don't suffer well, even for terrible sufferers, big babies, we're going to make it. And though we acknowledge a distance, there's a distance to travel, we're not separated from him, but to him. Think of it this way, and how God winks at us when we're reading things like, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Or things like, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is all a wink back to this information here. Numbers 20, 17 first describes it. Um, it's, it describes how God's people were going to move. They are on their way from the wilderness into the promised land, and they're talking about how they're going to move through enemy territory. And they say this, we will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right or to the left until we have passed through your territory. In the kingdom that Jesus ushered in, in this new kingdom, this highway that we're on looks less like a king's road and a lot more like enemy territory. The good news is that you are not going to stumble on Jesus, the cornerstone. You're not going to stumble. Instead, God, the rock, provides a promontory for us to stand on, where you can stand and see the way. You have the right vantage point to see and know what's ahead. Isaiah 35, eight to 10 promises us that, even if we're foolish on the way, we're not gonna go astray. We're not gonna turn aside to the right or the left. We will return to the promised land. You are going to make it, friend, because there is true hope. And I want to talk to you a bit about that true hope in case you've never heard anyone tell you before the biblical meaning of hope. I want to make sure it's clear because it's not the same as the modern wishy-washy hope that we toss around right now. Um, hope right now is very, it seems very uncertain. It's unknown. Like, oh, I sure hope my kids are going to do their laundry. <laughs> I sure my husband's not going to leave that towel on the floor. It's like, I don't know, it could happen. It might not. It probably won't. Modern hope is often confused with a feeling, like, I feel hopeful. Modern hope can be lost. I've lost all hope. But biblical hope is totally different, friends. Totally different. Biblical hope is a known and future state. It is the end point to the struggling which we are busy working out. It's the end point to that production line we just looked at. 
This hope exists whether you feel hopeful or not. You have hope. And this is how hope appears in Koine Greek, in the original language. Hope is el peace. It means to anticipate, to welcome, or an expectation of what is sure to come. This kind of hope, biblical hope, is for sure. It's not like, well, it could happen this way. No, if you have hope, you have a sure and under, a sure known understanding of where you're going and what's happening and how God's going to do it. You know what is coming because he keeps his word. Our God is a way maker, hey, and a promise keeper. So if we apply this back to Romans 5, 2 to 4, says, we rejoice in knowing, this is, excuse me, there we go. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in knowing that the glory of God is certain. It is a certain and future thing we will get to experience. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel mourned the loss of the glory of the Lord. All of a sudden, they didn't have the pillar of fire. They didn't have the cloud of smoke. They didn't have the Ark of the Covenant anymore. It had been lost. And they mourned that loss of his presence in their midst. And they really were defining God and putting him in this box. And all of a sudden, they didn't have it anymore. And they thought, I, we have no hope. But we rejoice in suffering, knowing that it leads to the certainty in this hope. It's really hard for us in our flesh to simply accept hope. It's too easy to accept hope. That's, we like to do work, and that's why we have to work it out. It's something we have to work out. So what if I don't feel joy? Can I still rejoice? Well, yes, you can. We mentioned before that joy is a noun and that rejoice is a verb in Greek and that they don't relate like they do in English and in Hebrew. So here is joy in Greek. And joy has the same root as grace. Remember, grace was charis. Joy is kara. Joy is simply the awareness of God's grace. Joy is grace recognized. Hey, do you recognize that Jesus is God's grace? If you do, then you have joy. Joy is an awareness that God is extending himself toward you leaning toward you, reaching to share you with, share something with you. Joy is the proper response to grace. And what is the ultimate grace? Jesus. So you might not feel joy, but that doesn't mean you don't have it. If you have accepted God's unmerited favor toward you, then you have joy. To say that you don't have joy is to say that you are unaware of God's grace toward you. And that is simply not true. So basically what I'm saying to you is this. You're always in the wilderness. Whenever you're in the wilderness, you're supposed to be rejoicing because you're anticipating something, something that is sure and certain. You're supposed to be rejoicing about all the things that God has given you in his grace. And he's already given it all. So suck it up, buttercup, and rejoice. Um, Romans 5, 2 kind of really reconciles this for us if we go back and look at it again. It says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace 
in which we stand. We have access, we, we understand this free extension, that we're standing in his grace. And we rejoice, we acknowledge that we have accepted that extension. We acknowledge that we have obtained something from him, his grace, his redemption. And therefore we have joy and we can rejoice in hope, real hope of the glory of God. If I zoom out and look at a little more of Romans 5 here, Romans 5, 1 through 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces hope. Excuse me, <laughs> skip lines. That suffer, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So in this passage alone, my sisters, we have been guaranteed peace, access to our Lord, grace. We have joy, which is an awareness of that grace. We have hope, which also necessarily means that we have suffering. And we have love and we have the Holy Spirit. So what is this ultimate thing that you have obtained? What is this ultimate joy that leads you to rejoicing? It's the Lord. You have him. You are his temple. And if you are aware of this, if you are aware of this grace that has been extended to you, you have joy and you can rejoice. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So the question is this, how can we give this hope to others who struggle? What can we say to those who have anxious hearts? We can't just hand over hope because we just learned that that's the end stage of God's workout plan. We don't have the kind of authority just to give hope to people. And it would be really wrong for us to create opportunities for them to suffer so that they could get there. That would be wrong. Don't do that. Um, but we can, here's what we can do. We can suffer well and we can suffer publicly, not for attention, but to boast in the Lord. Concerning others, we have these commands from Romans 12. In, inwardly, we can rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Inwardly, you know the hope there is for those people who are struggling. And you can be patient in those times. You can be constantly in prayer for them. Strengthen your weak arms, your weak hands. You can do that for people. Outwardly, here's what Romans 12, 15 tells us. It says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. So inwardly, you know the hope, but you can't say, well, let's rejoice in your suffering and trials. You can't do that with someone who's not there. What you do is you sit in the ashes with them, sister. You sit in the ashes with the people who are struggling and you wash their feet with your tears. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So whatever you do, 
Do it unto the Lord, yes, but also do it together. Acknowledging that everyone is on this way who is in Christ and we need to work it out together. Don't hoard your gifts. Amanda and I always talk about this. Stop spiritual fruit hoarding because there are people, yeah, we don't like hoarders. You've got things that need to be shared along the way so that those with anxious hearts and those who are weak and feeble can be lifted up. Finally, I want you to know this. This is so cool. I want you to know that God rejoices over you. Zephaniah 3, 14 to 17. See if you can spot commands, promises, and some familiar phrases and themes from what we've been talking about in Isaiah 35. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult in all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord God, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So sing, shout, rejoice, exult, be lifted up. The conquering king of Sukkot has come. He is here and your judgment and your enemies are gone. Let not your hands grow weak. That looks familiar. He rejoices over you. There's four different kinds of rejoice happening here. It's all good stuff. And I love the picture of God singing over us with loud singing because there's a lot of noise in this world. So much noise. And you need to drown that out with something, but we don't have to do it ourselves. God sings over you. You need to think what you need to think, sisters. Then you can do what you need to do, and then you will feel how you're supposed to feel. And you need to expect him to quiet your anxiety himself. You can't go out and take that for yourself. He will do it for you. And that's exactly where Trish is going to pick up, pick us up at the beginning of our next session. We get to listen to Trish at the beginning of session four, and then I will come back and close us out. Um, so what I want you to walk away with is this. You can rejoice in all circumstances on the way, including times of struggle and suffering, if you're standing at the correct vantage point. I want you to know that suffering is a necessary part of working out your salvation, which lands you at a sure and certain hope. I want you to know that joy is not, not a feeling, because if it was, you would have Marie condoed everything in your family. You would have Marie condoed everything in your life out. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is an awareness of God's grace. Therefore, you can rejoice even when you don't feel it. And in Christ, you are guaranteed, you are guaranteed peace access to God, grace, joy, hope, and suffering, love, and the Holy Spirit. So Amanda, what do we need to do? 
What do we need to do? What do we need to know? What do we need to do? <sighs> Friends, can I just get you, you're gonna go, okay, so what's really gonna happen here is, I've got wonky here. <laughs> Sorry. What's really going to happen is Amanda's going to look at herself. Got distracted her right there. Okay. Um, so what's going to happen is uh, you guys are going to go back into um, your breakout groups. Um, since we had that small quick shutdown, um, we're not sure that you'll go back in your exact same breakout groups. But um, again, dig deep. Go quick. Be great time managers in those breakout sessions. Um, and then I want to just point you in a, in a direction. Um, so three key points that I want you to really marinate on. And when we come back after lunch, um, then I'm going to ask you, or no, when we come back after your breakout sessions before lunch, don't go eat. Um, then I'm going to ask you uh, what your aha moments were. Again, what you guys talked about in your groups. One thing is proper rejoicing is boasting in what the Lord has done, not what you have done, what he has done. Um, joy is an awareness of God's grace. That's Jesus. <laughs> so if you are aware of Jesus and you acknowledge him, you have that joy. Um, and that is a reason to rejoice. Um, and also, when we are in our wilderness, we aren't just hanging out, doing nothing, waiting at our vantage point to see all the good things. Uh, we want to wait expectantly on that hope, but whilst we wait expectantly on that hope, we need to train ourselves up. We need to train others up. How are you training others up? How are you training yourself up? Talk to each other about that and what that could look like in your small groups. I want to hear about that too. Um, and then I uh, saw in your small groups that one person who is going to be your prayer person before you close out, um, make your prayer Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17. Read that aloud either, either as a group. Um, it's going to be a beautiful round. In your, in your session, um, or have your prayer person just read that out and pray it over the women in your group. So, um, bring, but bring what you have to give, ladies, and give that spiritual fruit that you have been gifted. Don't be hoarding it do and it. sit there with your mic muted the whole time. <laughs> I don't wanna hear that. <laughs> Unmute your mic. Speak the words that God has given you to speak. God has had you walk a certain path. At this point, we broke into small group discussions. One of the things we discussed was how does standing at the correct vantage point change a person's outlook? What would it look like to rejoice in suffering? Join us as we find out what people got out of the discussion. Welcome back, everybody. Short time. Sorry, we had to cut it down yeah. so you can have a good lunch time. We want you to eat and yeah. be refreshed 
Um, so we're gonna make this a quick wrap up, um, a comeback together. So again, I'm gonna go through your group and when you hear your number, you have to unmute yourself and share with me. Fill my tank, people. Yeah, fill this extrovert up. Looking at you, <laughs> Becky Griffin, looking at you. <laughs> All right, so group, I'm gonna start us off right. Group number one. So group number one, <laughs> um, so group one was obviously all the admin, but for me, my takeaway from the last session was honestly um, just how amazing God is in the intricacies and how he works everything together because both Alexis and I knew vaguely what we were sharing, but as she's sharing, I'm like, this is so awesome because what I'm talking about flows right in and I just I'm excited to just see how God keeps working and moving um in it so yeah it's awesome love that Jesus creeping yes all right group number two group number two yay God indeed us over here Ooh, oh hi. Hi. <laughs> what's up guys um for us, we kind of we kind of hung out in the icebreaker a little longer than than we we did on a lot of the questions. Um, but I mean, it's 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 our current circumstances. But um, we we pretty much all kind of came to the consensus that yeah, there's anxiety and with everything that's going on, and there's kind of like ups and downs. But for the most part, uh, we have all kind of found our joy in being able to bring church into our homes and to share the gospel. And um, even for those families who might not have a believing husband or, or what have you, that now that's in the home and it's being spoken out loud, even if they weren't exposed to it or whatnot. So that was, that was encouraging. Um, so I think for the most part, we are experiencing a bit of that joy, um, just being home and and being able to minister to our families in that way. Awesome. All right, group three. Yay, Megan, I see you. Yeah, that's me. Everybody chooses me to be their leader. Um, okay, so we, well, we kind of jumped around again. We answered all the questions. Well, not all the questions, but um, probably the, where we spent the most was our favorite material, like what we were getting out of it. Yes, I like it. It's awesome to see like the difference of like some people really honed in on the like the production line. They really like that. Um, there were other people who were really clinging to the joy aspect of it. Of uh, they just you know finding joy in this season. Um, then you have like me, I, I really liked the, um, the eighth day about church and how, like, how much of a different attitude we would have if our church culture carried that. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard it that way. And I really like it. Um, but I think how much different would our churches be if that was the attitude instead of like something else I check off on my to-do list. Um, and so there's all of those and um and just um we talked about the perspective the 
shift of perspective. So, yeah. Good job. All right, group four. Hi. Um, yeah, we talked really probably a lot about joy, but I think kind of like some of the ways that we concluded it is that all of this really comes down to awareness and choice is that we have, first of all, we have to choose Christ. And then the gift of Christ is that the grace and being able to have that salvation in that. And then that how like grace and joy are so intimately connected. And it's like, if we, you know, we have joy because of the grace of Jesus in our life. And then it just kind of cycles around, but also too, like the, the choice to be able to be joyful or even the choice to not be joyful the hope that we have, especially in Christ, is that there, our salvation is secure and that God's end game will never change. And so we can either choose to be joyful, we can even choose to not be grateful or great, you know, joyful. And yet God's ultimate plan for, for his will and his, you know, everything that he has for us, that, that will never change. And I think that that is the unique perspective that we can keep in mind too is that the grace that we have even in the times when we're not joyful there's grace in that and that god is going to be glorified in our life regardless and so i think that that is the true hope that we have is that you know in the end we win and we win pretty big and so i think that that's um really something to be joyful about awesome thank you lisa great job group four all right group five um, one of the things that we talked about was suffering publicly. And so Laurie asked, well, how do you do that, you know? And so I, I, I shared a, um, something that I went through uh, when we were in Colorado Springs some years ago. And um, it was a time when I heard the, the Lord say that you're getting ready to go through some suffering. And I said, a trouble. And I was like, uh, I don't want to go through any trouble. And tell me where this trouble is going to come from. So I was trying to figure out was it going to come from the house? Was it going to come from the job? Was it going to come from my church family? So I didn't hear the Lord say anything. But what happened was my mindset, as I continued in prayer about this, my mind changed, my mindset changed, and, and, and I began to pray, okay, Lord, when I go through the suffering, I don't want to blame anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to um, um, mumber and complain. I want to go through it with the right attitude, right? And so when that suffering came, it was from my job. and so. My coworkers saw me walk through this suffering, but without mumbling, without complaining, without talking about the job, without talking about my coworkers. So that to me was uh, a picture of suffering publicly. And I think that that's where God will have us to be, you know, as believers when we suffer. Yeah, and as we're in that moment and time of suffering or struggle, he wants us to still boast in the things that he is doing we can absolutely work of god in our lives and because we understand that in the wilderness we're being trained and prepared for something else that struggling and suffering is preparing us to understand ultimately that hope better than we did before absolutely and and and, and that that becomes our vantage point yes. you know we, we we suffer from the of, of a knowing that God is in control and that he has, he's at work and he's doing what he wants to do and it's going to all come out for the better. So love that, Miss Delphine. Yes. <laughs> Can I add to what Delphine said in our group? There were just the different points of view um, on how we suffer publicly and how others are seeing us with the things that we post while we're 
here in this, you know, distancing, you, you, we can post about the, the good things that we're doing with our kids and our families and, and the scripture or choosing to be negative um, and how others see us in this suffering while we're in quarantine um, and just having the different points of view in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good job. Good job, group five. All right, um, group six. Group six. Don't wait. Don't wait. Okay, I'll talk. I'm trying to give someone else another chance to talk because I feel like I always talk for my group. But um, I think what we had like mainly touched on was um, uh, the production line and just understanding um, how, um, you know, the suffering, how that leads to our hope. Oh, I think that yeah. was important for us Alda. and then um a lot of us said that it was Alda, Alda. okay a lot of us Alda, said that Alda. it was um the words that you gave for rejoice it was interesting to know that there was like 19 different words for the uh hebrew word of rejoice and then we we touched on suffering and how um all of us have suffered at some point but recognizing uh, kind of like what Delphine said, at what point uh, our vantage point is, it helps us see it in a completely different way. And I just shared how um, normally when I would suffer, I would ask God, why me? <laughs> and since four, four months ago, when he like really saved me, now I can, I'm happy in the suffering and, and the suffering I'm going through now, people would think I'm insane, that I have joy, but, it's just because they don't understand. It's not, it's nothing that comes from me. Like I have always been pessimistic, always been just, you know, having the worst case scenario type attitude. And in the worst season I've ever been in my life, there is more joy than I could ever know how to handle or just even talk about. So it was just really good to, to really look at that and um, just understand exactly like where that comes from yeah that's incredible that's awesome. awesome thank you for sharing all right group seven okay i guess i am the one <laughs> nice shirt be that's a nice shirt thanks i mean you know in good company um we hung out a little bit longer on the icebreaker as well um and then we kind of went to the other place we um, hung out on was one of the points Amanda gave at the end was um, the waiting expectantly on, or waiting expectantly on hope. Um, we need to be training ourselves as well as others. And um, we just talked about how like we can use this time, this extra time to um, use that to train up our families, our children. Um, but also ourselves, um, we need to be, um, oh, it just went, Ooh, hello. <laughs> I just had a thought and it went away. Um, but my kids have been trained. I was, one of the things I shared is my kids, sometimes I learn more from my kids than, um, they learn from a lot of times, especially my little guy. 
um, my little preacher guy. But he has been very, um, it's been kind of cool to watch um, him, how this is all playing out. And he's very aware of other people, like taking care of other people. He's not worrying. Where I've been more like, this stinks. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't go see my friends. I can't, you know, and I've been very sad about all of that. And he's like making sure everybody else is okay. And that kind of made me stop and go, wow, I need to be less focused on my own junk, be more focused on other people. Um, so anyway, that was what I had. That was a good share. Worth Thanks. It. Thanks. Yes. Mic drop indeed. Good job. Um, all right. Uh, that was group seven. Group eight. Sorry, we didn't have group eight this time. I forgot to mention that. Awkward silence for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should know, I'm perfectly comfortable in awkward silence and I'll stare you down. I will, that'll happen <laughs> for you. So is that all we, do we have just no group eight and I skip over that and go to group nine? All right, group nine, lay it on me. What I was meaning is all the groups are done. Yeah. Just real Sorry. sad. Sad, <laughs> Invite more people to session four. We need you. We need all the people. <laughs> okay, so I guess that means that we're going to ask Pastor Delphine to pray us out into lunch, and then we'll come back for session four at uh, at 1.30. 1.30 is when we start worship, yeah. so come a little earlier. So be ready. All right. Thank you, Alexis. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this session about joy and in the wilderness rejoicing. We thank you. I believe I can say for all of us that we are encouraged to rejoice more, Father God, to rejoice and uh, from the truth of your word, not from what we are presently seeing with our eyes, but from what your word tells us. Father, we thank you that you are with us and that you would never leave us. And we bless you and we're excited about what is to come after lunch. Bless your ladies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good and healthy lunch. One that doesn't make you sleepy, okay? <laughs> <laughs>「O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said in, to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Hi, thank you for listening to Protestant Women of the Chapel, Fort Bragg. We are workers together for Christ. 
If you've been inspired, please share our podcast with those who could use a good word. Thank you.